Well, God bless you guys. Welcome to Swerve Church once again. My name is Danny, for those of you that don't know me. And happy Father's Day to the dads that are here. And uh, I'm a dad of three, so it's a great day for us. And so we're going to be celebrating as a church, uh, celebrating dads. Afterwards, we're actually going to be heading to the park, and uh, we're going to be just doing some chicken shish kebabs. You guys are more than welcome to join us. It's Irving Square Park. It's a short walk uh, from here. So right after church, we're going to put everything away, and we're going to walk over there and spend some time uh, together, just having some fun, uh, melting in the heat, and then just spending some time with each other. So yeah, I just want to thank you guys for so much for joining us today. I'm really, really glad that you guys made the effort um, to join us here. Like Stephen mentioned, we're in this series called The Warrior, right? And it's a series geared especially uh, for you men. So for the fellas, this is for you. Uh, ladies, there's a lot for you in here as well. But guys, we really wanted to teach this series here for you guys to really encourage you guys and really to call you out and to step up into the roles that God is really calling you guys to lead as, uh, as family members, as friends, and leaders in the community as well. Well, do you guys know, one of the things that can really hold a man back is a lack of self-confidence. And if you, lack, if you lack self-confidence, it can really, really hinder you and really hold you back. That same lack of self-confidence can create a sense of hesitation. Right? It's this fear of moving forward. It can make a man hesitate instead of, of moving forward and progressing. You know, our world, our society, and yes, even our neighborhood right here in Bushwick, I believe is full of hesitant warriors. And it's really a, a sad fact. You know, that is men who should be armed and ready for battle, ready to go to war, ready to face the challenges that lie ahead, ready to provide for their families, ready to father their children, ready to live uh, to lift up their family spiritually and lead their family spiritually, ready to love their wives sacrificially as Christ loved the church, ready to let go of addictions, to let go of childish ways and bad habits. But instead, what we find, unfortunately, is a lot of hesitant warriors, a lot of hesitant men. And, and why is that? Well, there's many reasons for that, but among them, perhaps the most prevalent is this. It's fear. It's fear. Fear is a motivation murderer. Right? Fear is a dream killer. Fear is a minimizer of momentum. And so often, those of us that deal with fear of being afraid of the unknown or what happens, fear can really paralyze you. can really paralyze you. Fear can tell a man, you know, there's no way that you'll ever be able to provide for your family. It's just, it's impossible. You will never be able to do it. Or look at everyone else. Look at everybody else's success. They have it all together. It seems like everything's all good. Their Facebook feed and their Instagram feed is all got it all together. You, however, your life is a mess. And you'll never be able to do anything out of this. You'll never be. You're just weak. You're vulnerable. Right? You're a loser. Or fear can tell a man, man, don't put your heart out there. Don't let anybody know what you're really feeling. Don't let anybody know uh, because your heart will just get trampled on. So fear can really hold us back. We're in week two of this series called The Warrior, and it's a series, like I said earlier, geared specifically to you fellas. And with this series, what we really want to do is encourage you, we want to strengthen you, and we want to call out men to be the men that God has called you to be. So like we mentioned last week, I truly believe that, you know, a lot of you here, the females, you, guys, you girls here, you're really going to be able to pull a lot of this. Thank you so much for allowing us to do a series like this here at this church to really call out the men. And thank you for trusting God with what He wants to do in and through us. You're equally important, ladies. You're super important to us. And you matter so much to the fabric of this church. Not only the local church, but the global church at large. 
But today we're going to be looking at a passage in Judges. So if you have your Bibles, we'll just be looking at this one passage, a couple verses. If you have the message notes, you can take it out. The verses are there for you guys. We're going to be doing a lot of underlining and circling and, and note-taking. So you can follow along. You can also just whip out your Bible app and open it up to Judges 6. And the verses will also be right here on the screen for you as well. Well, today we're going to be looking at a character. Uh, his name is Gideon. Right? And Gideon faced a lot of the same challenges that we as men face today. Right? He battled feelings of inadequacy. He, fe- he battled feelings of fear. He-, he battled feelings of intimidation. And these are all things that we can all relate to. And it's all things that will make a warrior stagnant. That will make us hesitant. So Gideon, just to give you guys a quick background, he has a calling from God, but he felt that the shoes that God was calling him to fit were way too big for him. And man, as we talk about becoming the men and becoming the fathers and the husbands and the leaders God called us to be, let's look at Gideon as an example of someone who faces a lot of the same struggles and insecurities that we face as well. These fears, we face them. The insecurities, we feel them. The lack of confidence, you know, we sometimes struggle with those very same feelings. And so you guys are going to see that as we open up Judges 6, verses 11 through 16. You're going to see a lot of those same struggles, a lot of those same difficulties that he feels. Right? So, guys, if you would open up your notes, the first verse, let's just dive right into this. We're going to read this first verse. And then I want to give you guys some context to kind of help you understand what's going on. Judges 6, verse 11 says this. The angel of the Lord came... And he sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. So real quick, just to help you guys understand, since we're jumping right into the middle of this chapter here, you guys do me a favor and circle Gideon. That's our character. And right there, if you want, just put a little line and write like a little letter P next to his name, because he's our protagonist in this passage. Alright, so we're talking about Gideon. He's kind of the main character of who we're talking about. The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, to our main character. He's, he comes with a message. He has this message that he wants to share with Gideon. But there's another, there's an antagonist in the scripture. Would you guys just circle where it says Midianites? This, this is the enemy. Or this is the uh, antagonist here in, in this passage. And so what we see, first of all, as we read this, is the Lord... The angel of the Lord comes to talk to Gideon, to our main character. He finds him in a certain place and in a location. And we learn this, number one, if you're taking notes, that every warrior faces fear. Every warrior faces fear. Let me give you guys some context. Here's what's going on. By the way, I recommend you read the verses before this passage so you can really get the full depth of what's going on. But the Israelites, right, these are God's people. They were in. They were miraculously freed out of out of Egypt, out of captivity, by God's miraculous divine intervention. They're they're set free from captivity. And God calls the people of God onto Himself. He says, come follow me. Come live by my decrees. Listen to what I have to say. Worship me. Don't worship anybody else. What happens is the Israelites openly reject Him. They reject God. They begin searching for other false gods and disobeying God's decrees. They disobey Him. And because of this, here's what happens. God allows them to be under the rule of another nation. So in this case, it's the Midianites, which you guys circled in your notes. Because they were disobedient to God. Now, the Midianites, they rule over Israel with a heavy hand. They're not fair rulers. They they were ruthless. In fact, 
You know, so much so that the Israelites would go and find hiding places in the mountains and, and caves, and they would try to hide from the Midianites because they were so ruthless. In fact, it's kind of like what's going on in a lot of places in the Middle East right now, where devout followers of Jesus, Christians, are hiding from like members of ISIS and other terrorist groups, hiding from them in mountains and caves because they don't want to get caught by them because they're going to they're gonna, uh, destroy them, kill them, and torture them. And so this is a similar situation. The Israelites are once again hiding in mountains and caves, trying to hide away from the Midianites. And so they were always under constant threat of attack. And when the Israelites would plant crops, right, they got to eat, right? They couldn't just go to the pizzeria. They had to plant their crops to get food. And so the Midianites would come and they would destroy it. They didn't leave any food for the Israelites. And so they were, in one word, oppressed. They were oppressed by the Midianites. So now I want you guys to understand if that's the context, right, that we're talking into. We're speaking of Gideon being here. That's the context that we, he finds himself in. I want you to imagine this man named Gideon. He's part of this oppression. He's experiencing this oppression. He's experiencing the same pain. He's experiencing the same fear. And he's experiencing the same despair that the rest of the nation is experiencing. And so is the rest of the nation. Like the rest of the nation, you know what Gideon is doing? He's hiding. He's hiding. Did you guys catch that? In verse 11, it says that uh, Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press. He's doing a real quick favor. Go ahead and underline threshing wheat and then underline wine press. Here's why this is so weird. This needs a little bit of explanation. What do you think of when you hear wine press? Wine press. Like what do you do in a wine press? It's not a trick question. It's for wine, right? In fact, um, you can look up, this is a picture of an actual wine press. And it's really cool. This one over here on the right was actually kind of, it was excavated by a pair of 13-year-olds in Israel. It's a 1,400-year-old wine press that they stumbled upon actually illegally. We're trying to dig it out. Not supposed to do that. But yeah, this is kind of an example of what a wine press looked like. So in a wine press, you, you would use a wine press to make wine. Basically, the wine would, was basically like, the wine press was like a huge hole in the ground. And grapes would be poured into there. And then they would be pressed to make the juice, to make the wine. Uh, they would probably like step on it. They would crush the grapes in order to create the wine. Do you know what you wouldn't do in a wine press? You wouldn't thresh wheat. This is what Gideon is doing. In fact, here's a picture of some people threshing wheat. You wouldn't go into a wine press to thresh wheat, right? You would go to something called the threshing floor. If you guys notice here in this picture, even though this is a more modern picture, still very much the way that they would have done it, um, it's a whole process of, of separating the grain from the chaff. Right? First, you have to beat it uh, to loosen the grain. Then you would have to winnow the wheat by tossing it in the air. That's what this guy's doing right here. By tossing it in the air. Then the wind would remove the extra and just the grain would remain. So if this is the process of threshing wheat, you have to be in a wide open area. You can't be in a hole in the ground. There's no, the wind circulation gets cut off. And so what is Gideon doing threshing wheat in a wine press? Well, in, in one short word, he's scared. Gideon is scared. And a wine press makes a good hiding place, right? He's scared that the Midianites are going to come and steal the food and possibly come and harm him. And, and in light of all this, in light of all that Gideon is suffering, all that Gideon is going on, look at what 
the next verse says. Verse 12 says this, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. Do you guys just circle the two words, valiant warrior, right there? And you know, it's so important. And it's so interesting that he's calling them. And then just underline, the Lord is with you. Underline that first phrase. Because God is sending a message to Gideon through this angel of the Lord. And he, he's, he's come, he's coming with these greetings. And he's telling him, hey, the Lord is with you, Gideon. The Lord is with you. And guess what? I'm calling you a valiant warrior. Now, I don't know about you, but when I picture Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press, hiding from the Midianites, the first two words that come to my mind are not valiant warrior, right? You guys have to see the irony in this. As the angel of the Lord comes and calls him valiant warrior, he's actually hiding. He's actually cowarding from what is going on. You know, in fact, Gideon wouldn't even call himself this. As you continue to read, you know, he's always rattling off a bunch of questions and doubts and, and questioning God because he's scared. But here's what we learn as we read this passage. Number two in your notes. Warrior, you are who God says you are. And this is so important for us to understand because God has the last word. And all throughout Scripture, God chooses the least likely. And the least likely always have excuses to why they can't be chosen. And that happens all over Scripture. Everywhere that you read, every character that you can think of, they have an excuse. But guess what? God is the one that does the choosing. Now, there's nothing warrior-like about Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press. At this moment, there's nothing warrior-like about him. But you have to see the irony. Gideon is the opposite of a warrior. And you know what? You probably would be too in this situation. If you found yourself in this very same situation, I bet you respond the same way. But over and over and over again, we see all throughout Scripture, God puts His finger on somebody and uses them despite their shortcomings, despite their weaknesses. Why? Why? It's not to elevate the name of Gideon and say, hey, look what a great guy Gideon is, but it's to make the Lord's name great. Make God's name great. Look at what the verse says again. It says, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And that's the key. It's not to make Gideon's name great. It's to make God's name great. Now look at Gideon's response as he calls him, right? This valiant warrior. Look what he says. It's in verse 13. Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? And where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about? They said, hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. So here's Gideon's argument as the angel of the Lord is talking to him. He brings up some valid points. He's like, hey, God, you know, you remember you kind of delivered us with a mighty hand and you did a lot of great things. And I heard about these miracles and how great you are. But all he sees around him is what? He sees the oppression that's all around him. And it feels like to him and all the people that God has abandoned him. And that's what it feels like, man, God, you, you're, just, you're just not in the picture. You're not there. Have you guys ever felt like that? That's what Gideon is feeling in this moment. Now, of course, they're in this situation because of the natural result of the people rejecting God, saying that they did not want to follow God's decrees and, and seek on, out only him. But he feels as if God had abandoned him. 
So now it's important now, let's look at God's response to this. As he brings up some valid points, he says, God, where are you? Check out what God answers in verse 14. It says this. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I am sending you. I am sending you. Would you guys underline the last part of that phrase right there? I am sending you. Who's the one doing the sending? It is God doing the sending. Here's what we learned, number three in your notes, that God's sending is greater than your strength. God's sending is greater than your strength. See, God tells Gideon to go in the strength that he had. What strength did he have? Not much, right? He didn't have much strength. You see, the power was not found in Gideon's ability, in Gideon's strength, or in Gideon's strategy. No, no, no. The power, Gideon didn't have much courage or strength in this instance. You see, the power found in Gideon's calling had nothing to do with Gideon. It has all to do with who was doing the calling. God was sending him. And man, we, we need to totally get this, especially if we're going to respond to God's call to us to be men of honor and integrity, or to be husbands that love our wives as Christ did the church, or to be lovingly fathers to our children, or to faithfully serve our church, and to faithfully serve our community. Men, we need to understand this. That is not by our power, but it's by God's calling. But we also need to get this as a church. Everybody here, we need to understand this as a church because we set out to plant a new, a life-giving, gospel-centered church right here in this community that was going to love God, love people, and serve our community. That we were going to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. That's the mission of this church. And as we set out to do this, listen, God placed the calling on this church. God has placed this this priority on this church to do that. He has sent us as missionaries to our community. He sent us as missionaries and the power is not in our ability, it's not in our strength in order to do this. No, the power is in the one who sent us. It's in the power of the one who sent us. And if we reverse this, if we change this up, we will erroneously believe that we have accomplished much on our own strength. We will take the credit instead of giving God the glory. And I believe also in this verse is a call to work with what you have. So often we hesitate because we feel that we're not prepared enough, that we're not ready enough, that we need to reach a certain level of readiness before we can step out and do what God's called us to do. But the miracles God is getting ready to work through Gideon, if you continue to read the chapters following, it's despite his strength and despite his preparedness. And that's what makes it a miracle. If you can accomplish something in your own strength, then it wouldn't be called a miracle. It's, it's nothing spectacular about that. But it's because God working through Gideon despite his shortcomings and his weaknesses. Real quick, let's read verse 15 there. It says this, he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my father's family. You know, it's so funny because as I read Gideon's words here, I, I, I can hear so much of myself, the doubts that I have, the questions that I have. How about you? Have you ever heard that? In, in your, has that ever come out of your mouth? 
So often I can list out a million reasons why something will not work out. God, how can we plant the church in Bushwick? This neighborhood, they don't want to know you. Nobody wants to hear about you. Nobody wants to respond to you. Everybody's stuck in their way. You can think of like a million and one excuses as to why not to set out and to plant the life-giving gospel-centered church in my neighborhood. Right? So often we can put all these excuses. And I'm sure you've been there too. I'm sure you've put your own excuses as to why or why not you cannot accomplish something. In fact, this won't be the last time Gideon expresses, you know, angst about this defeat and this battle uh, with the Midianites. It's not the first time. It's going to happen over and over and over again. He keeps asking God for signs and he keeps doubting his ability to accomplish the task. But this is why I love the Lord's response. Are you guys ready for this? This is verse 16 in today's passage. It's the last verse that we're going to talk about. And here's what I would love if we can just read this verse out loud together. All right, ready? Here's verse 16. Ready? Read. But I will be with you, the Lord said to him. You will strike Midian down as if it were one man. I love God's promise there. Just underline the first part of that phrase. But I will be with you. Here's what God is saying. I'm going to be with you, Gideon. God promises this to him. I'm going to be with you. As if God is saying, listen, I'm not going to leave you alone. I got your back. I'm with you. I won't leave you hanging. I'm here. I'm with you. And these are perhaps the most reassuring words that we can hear from God today. He is with you. Men, as we set out to be fathers to our children, and by the way, you don't have to have kids to be a male figure, a father figure to, to, some, uh, to some younger men in your life. In fact, just until recently, we were mentoring some young men at my high school where I graduated from, Grover Cleveland High School, and the majority of those young men didn't have fathers in their lives. And we were mentoring and coaching these young men, helping them to do better in their grades, to stop cutting class and just being involved in their lives. So you don't even need to necessarily father a child to be a father figure to somebody. But men, as we set out to be fathers to our children, He is with you. As we set out to, be, you know, to love our wives as Christ did the church, He is with you. As we set out to lead in our church or to lead in our community or to lead in our workplaces and in our families, He is with you. God is with you. Now as we wrap up, this is probably the most important part of what we're going to be talking about because I'd really be doing this justice to this passage if all I, all I did was tell you, hey, go be like Gideon, right? Because first of all, Gideon was weak. Gideon was fearful. Gideon was doubtful. So don't be like Gideon, okay? That's not the point of this passage. You know, eventually he would go on and he would conquer and he would win battles, but that was all despite his shortcomings, not because of his strength. These were all signs of God's involvement, of God's intervention. But ultimately what we need to do is point to Jesus out of the life of Gideon. We need to see how can we see Jesus through the life of, Jesus, to, of Gideon. And what we should learn from the life and character of Gideon is not, hey, be a conqueror like Gideon, but rather that like Gideon, we fall incredibly short. Like Gideon, we are utterly hopeless. Like Gideon, we need to desperately depend on God's divine intervention in our lives. Guys, we stand before a holy and righteous God and we fall incredibly short. Our sin creates a chasm between us and God. He is holy. We are not. We are fallen. We are sinful. And that separates us from God. But God in His great love for us sends Jesus to close the gap. 
Jesus lives a perfect and a sinless life. He lives the life that you and I could not live. And then he dies a wretched death on a cross, paying the ultimate price for our sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Jesus says, I'll pick up the bill and I'll die in your place. And as we look at the life of Gideon, check this out. Gideon feared his enemies and he hid. Jesus too feared his enemies, but he ran toward the cross. You guys remember when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he cried out to God, God, if there's any way that you can remove this cup from me. But then he said, what? Not my will, but your will be done. So unlike Gideon, he ran towards the cross. Listen, when God called Gideon to a mission, he presented all the reasons why he could not do it. But Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane prayed, not my will, but your will be done. Gideon felt like God abandoned them, like he was not around, like he was no longer present. And on the cross, Jesus cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the cross, Jesus was forsaken because of our sin. And on that cross, Jesus paid the death for our sin. He died the death that we deserve. He, was, he, was, he died and he was buried, but three days later, he conquered Satan's sin and death. And he, he rose from the grave. Jesus is the only way by which we can be saved. It's not our works. It's not performing better. It's not going to church more. It's not praying more. Our sins have been forgiven, not because of any work that you can do, but rather because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. If you're here today and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, listen, it's not about working more. It's about utterly depending and relying upon the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. If you haven't made that decision, I want to welcome you to do this decision today. In fact, everybody please take out your connection cards. We're going to get ready for some next steps. And one of the things that you can do is check off. If you want to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior today, go ahead and do that. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, come to the front. I'm not going to do none of that. We just want to follow up with you and put some resources in your hands and help you take your next steps. And for the rest of us, here's a real quick next step. Here's what I want you to do this week. Think about this. Where are you at your weakest? Wherever that is, trust God to be made strong in your weakness. That's everybody's next step. If you can take that next step, we want to pray with you this week. Check it off. And, uh, and Stephen's going to let you know in just a minute about how you can hand in those connection cards. Would you guys join me in prayer? God, I, I thank you, Lord, that you are, the, you are the greater Gideon, that you did not hide from your enemies. You went toward the cross. Lord, you, you fought our battles. You paid for our sin. You paid for our pri the price of our sin on the cross. You, you took it away. Lord, you made us clean. You made us pure. And God, so our only reasonable response is to surrender our life to you. And so God, I just pray today, Lord, as I think about all the areas of my life where I'm weakness, and as we all ponder and think about the areas in our lives where we're weakest, God, I pray that you would be, that you would be made strong today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.